When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I wake up, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. Oklahoma softball just absolutely torches UCLA. The Sooners take down the number one team in the country by a final score of 14 to nothing to wrap up their stint in Cathedral City at the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic. That's got to be like the lead-in story. That's got to be top dog right now. I do want to talk to you about uh, coaches at Oklahoma feeling some pressure, and then obviously we've got true or false, which has kind of become a staple here at the Sooner Nation podcast. So uh, what's up, everybody? Let's jump right on into this. Um, Oklahoma shocked a week ago in Waco against the Baylor Bears, uh, dropped from number one to number two. UCLA more than happy to take that vacant number one spot. And and I think this is where you got to start the conversation because obviously when you look at the result of Sunday's game, Oklahoma just obliterated UCLA and and they won in every every facet of the game. You you've got the you got the home runs. You the second quarter a second quarter second inning alone you had Brito, Coleman, Jennings and Haley Lee all launch home runs in a six-run second inning. Uh then Kenzie Hansen got involved with a home run in the fourth and then a home run again in the fifth to push this way 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 past the run rule. Now they were at the run rule total in the third inning, leading eight to nothing. You you got to play at least five innings to get to the run rule. And by the time they went to the five innings, it was 14 to nothing, Oklahoma. But they, they won by hitting the ball, obviously, you know, 20 hits, 14 runs on 20 hits. You got six home runs. But then you look at what Alex Thoraco did from the pitcher's circle. Straco moves to 4-0 in the season. She pitched all five innings, only gave up three hits, uh, five strikeouts in the game. Her ERA is below one now for the season. And, and I mean, this is just, this was complete domination. It, it wasn't a situation which Oklahoma had to come roaring back. It wasn't a back and forth game. This was the number two team in the country taking on the number one team in the country in California, mind you, and absolutely obliterating said number one team. And this, what this does is, it does a lot. You know, you, you take away um, the the discussion whether oh you should have dropped after losing to Baylor a week ago. Now I believe, unpopular opinion here, but I believe that they should have. I really do. I, I think if you if you spin this thing around, right? and you make Oklahoma the undefeated team, and you make UCLA the team that got upset a week ago, and yet Oklahoma is not number one in that scenario, OU fans would be livid. UCLA was undefeated. Oklahoma lost to the 10th ranked team in the country. They weren't 10 a week ago, but they are now. Oklahoma loses to them. The the vacancy was there. There's too many undefeated teams playing at a high level of softball for OU not to have dropped. But now that they've come back and just smoked said number one team, 
OU has moved back up from number two to number one in this week's poll. And now I think you have an argument moving forward based on how UCLA does. The Sooners are at 13 uh, and one in the nation. And here's another kind of an unpopular 13-1 in the nation, 13-1 record on the season. Uh, that's what I get for trying to multitask because here's another unpopular opinion. I'm not for sure. Honestly, I'm not for sure that UCLA was Oklahoma's stiffest competition out at the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic. When you look at what OU did that weekend, right? They start out with Cal State Fullerton. That's an eight, eight nothing run roll, five innings. Texas A&M, eight nothing run roll, five innings. Utah, they won ten to three, went the distance. Loyola Maryland Mount, ten to one, five innings. UCLA, fourteen to nothing, five innings. The argument is there and should be made that Utah was Oklahoma's stiffest competition that weekend out in California. It was at UCLA. Now I'm not making. I'm not making any claim that Utah's a top five team. I'm just saying Oklahoma was either very honed in on this UCLA team, which is is very probable, very probable. Or UCLA maybe is a little bit overrated. Now, now the better the better situation for Oklahoma is that UCLA, who now stands at 17 and 1. The better situation for Oklahoma is that, that Oklahoma was just so dialed in, so focused, right? But I, I don't know that I would look past Utah. By the way, UCLA 17-1 and on the season. The, three hits in the game, one error. He, here's a, this is what's good for OU. If you're looking away, if you're looking for something to take away from this, outside of OU being the number one team in the country, you you got to look at, I think, what happened in the circle. Now, we all know the, the uh, potential and the danger of this Oklahoma batting lineup. We're all very well aware of that. We, we've talked about that here on the podcast. It's been in print that even though they lost Jocelyn Allo, this team is dangerous. There, there are no gaps. Riley Boone went yard over the weekend. She's their slap hitter. Who, who's, uh, you get her on base and she goes for speed. But there, there are no gaps here. When you look at this lineup, there's just power, 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 power. And UCLA got the brunt of that on Sunday. But what that means is, I mean, Megan Farimo, not only is she an All-American, not only is she an All-Star, she's in the conversation. Still early in the season. We're only in the first month. But she's in the conversation. For the National Player of the Year. Losing this game to Oklahoma dropped her season record to 9-1. But this is an all-star pitcher for UCLA. And Oklahoma just annihilated her. She didn't make it through two innings. Farimo ends up pitching 1.2 innings. She gave up seven hits. She gave up four runs. She struck out three batters, which is, okay, yeah, you'll give her that. But she was responsible for all four of those second-inning home runs. Maybe she was responsible for three of them. But the point is, the point is Oklahoma just went after one of the top performers in the nation. And quietly in Oklahoma's circle was Alex Turaco, who pitched probably the game of her career. A transfer in from Michigan, 
She was an all-conference player in the Big Ten. But she just handled what has been a potent UCLA lineup. And, you know, you think Jordy Ball. When you, when you think about Oklahoma's pitching, Jordy Ball is the name preseason that comes to mind. Nicole May has been fantastic this season. Nicole May is undefeated. Nicole May has a 0.00 ERA. Alex Duraco is undefeated. Got a sub 1.0 ERA. And Jordy Ball has been fantastic as well. She Now, she does have the one loss. Losing to Baylor last weekend. And she has the highest ERA of these three pitchers we just mentioned. But this is a very well-rounded Oklahoma team. We had an article up at Heartland Sports a couple weeks ago. Heartland-sports.com. Go on there Google Oklahoma softball. And then the point was, was the non-conference schedule for Oklahoma, was it more difficult than what they'll face in conference play, in Big 12 play? And, and I think you have to say, you have to say yes, but it looks like potentially the Big 12 is going to be a little bit stronger than, than what we initially thought they would be. You know you got the top dogs in the Big 12. You got Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas. Texas doesn't seem to be, doesn't seem to be what we thought they were going to be, but they're still a top 25 program. Oklahoma State's the number three team in the country as of today, February 27th. And Baylor's sliding up to number 10. So Big 12 play pretty good. But this the schedule, even though we're still non-conference, it's not lighting up for Oklahoma. By the way, Texas A&M, who OU blanked over the weekend as well, 8 to nothing. Texas A&M is number 22. So OU has just faced ranked opponent after ranked opponent after ranked opponent. And nothing changes this weekend. When the Sooners come to Norman for the very first time to host the OU, OU tournament. Number 14, Kentucky. They'll be there. And Oklahoma will play them twice. So we continue to see this team improve. We continue to see them. They haven't even met their stride. They, they won't even like find full stride. To what, what, maybe three more weeks from now? Mid-March? That's when you'll see this team really start to click. But, I mean, we, we spent almost 10 minutes talking about OU softball and haven't even mentioned Jocelyn Erickson. And we'll have to get into her a little bit later on. But that's it for now. We're going to talk about uh, coaches on the hot seat. Are coaches at least feeling pressure? I'm curious about your opinion on this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so let's have a conversation just for conversation's sake. Uh, and I really, I would love for you to kind of like chime in on this. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Uh, you can find us on the interwebs, heartland-sports.com. Each podcast has its own little title page where you can drop a comment there. Um, you can email me, Matt. Uh, no, not Matt. That's my name. But you can email heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. Um the point is this, I want to have a conversation just for conversation's sake, because it has been a bad year 
for Oklahoma athletics when you look at the, quote, bill-paying sports, if, if you will. Uh, when you look at basketball, you look at football, even look at baseball, not great across the board. And there's are, there are portions of the fan base who are already up in arms about Brent Venables, who are way up in arms and shopping for pitchforks when it comes to uh, Porter Mosier. And then, you know, not a great start for baseball, and they're starting to begin to question and wonder uh, what's happening with Skip Johnson and company. So here's my question. My question is just simply this. Which Oklahoma coach should feel the most pressure? Right now, which Oklahoma coach should feel the most pressure? Now, I want to preface this by saying, 100% saying, I don't believe that any Oklahoma coach right now is coaching for his job. I really don't believe that. I don't. And again, I'm talking guys here, obviously, because you look at your women's sports and, man, it's covered. Gymnastics, uh, basketball, softball. But when we talk about the big three, okay, I don't don't believe, I really don't. I don't believe any coach currently is coaching to keep their job. But there's pressure building. So here's your three candidates. I think you got to start with with Brent Venables. These are in no particular order. Again, just having a conversation. Brent Venables, you know, the first losing season Oklahoma's had since 1998. To say that year one under Brent Venables didn't go according to expectations would be a minor understatement. No, I think it'd be a major understatement. I don't know. There was, I mean, there were some guys out there. There were some guys out there saying, hey, this isn't going to be all like kicks and giggles. Now, those were national media guys. Um that uh, that we don't really want to talk about because they were right and we were wrong. But when you're talking about Sooner Nation, I think the expectations were were vastly unmet in year one of Brent Venables. You got three and six play in, in Big 12, six and seven overall record. Like I said, the first losing season since 1998. Now you got to throw some things in there with all of these coaches. So I mean, with all of them. Um, and let's start with Brent Venables. You, you, you look at the, the mass exodus, not just of players and personnel, but of coaches. Uh, you look at the injuries to De- the injury to Dylan Gabriel. Um, the lack of depth at quarterback again goes back to the mass exodus. So there, there are things there with Porter Mosier, uh, with Porter with Brent Venables that um, that you could say, well, it could have been better if okay. But at the end of the day, this is a results driven process and the results just weren't there three and six overall six and seven on the season losing the bowl game to florida state in which by the way they were incredibly competitive but the story of the season you lose it late in the game so there's candidate number one candidate number two you got porter Mosier. he's in his second season 14 and 15 on the season last place in the big 12 what's interesting about porter Mosier. I mean, really, what's interesting about Porter Mosier, unbelievably, is that their last three wins were over ranked opponents. So you you got a team that's below 500 with wins over number two Alabama, over at Kansas State, on the road at Iowa State on Saturday. They, they've got two games left in the regular season and then the Big 12 tournament. 
they're, uh, they're what is it at Ken at Kansas State and then TCU to end out this, to wrap up the season. But again, hasn't gone, has not met expectations. Absolutely, hasn't met expectations. Year one to year two, and again, you, you can throw things in there. Okay, this guy's been bitten bitten hard by the transfer portal. You know, you, you lose a guy like Brady Manick in year one. You, you lose guys you relied on in year one and year two. Mo Gibson's gone. Elijah Harkless gone. Tanner Groves, for I'm sure the good person that he is, he's not really the basketball player that that I think Oklahoma fans had hoped would develop at OU. You lose Bijan Cortez for personal reasons and no telling how long he's gone. And, 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 you know, the portal was was decent to OU. Grant Sherfield has been better than ex- expected, but he, but there's the slow development of the of the younger guys really allowed defenses to focus on Grant Sherfield. Think, think about the Bedlam game in Stillwater, right? Grant Sherfield just goes off in the first half. Second half, Mike Boyne's like, let anybody but Grant Sherfield make a shot. Let anybody take anybody on the court. Oh, four of the guys, let them take a shot. Just don't let Grant Sherfield. And they shut down Grant Sherfield, and Oklahoma State wins that game going away. Now you've got the younger guys now who are developing and coming up and, and showing not just, you know, not just great athleticism, but they're showing these guys can play. They're, they're, they're going to be contributors. And, 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 and when you look at the win against Iowa State, you, you get to see this kind of come to the forefront. Same thing with upset win uh, against Kansas State. But still, year number two, you're looking at, I mean, best case scenario right now, wouldn't you say the best case scenario for Oklahoma basketball is another berth in the NIT? Is that acceptable back-to-back years? Because that, that's where they are. And then, of course, your, your third guy is Skip Johnson. Um, now, OU baseball just took the series, the weekend seeders from Ryder. Woo! Big time right there. Four and four on the season. They lost a series to California Baptist. They lost uh, a game to Abilene Christian. Hey, you're looking at four and four. You're 500 on the season. Early, early, early in the season. But your, your big wins are a series against Ryder and then you beat Air Force in a standalone game. And, and again, there, there are circumstances here. The, NF, the, the, the Major League Baseball draft was very kind to Oklahoma baseball last June. And Skip Johnson is starting over. And, and one thing about Skip Johnson, uh, when, when you watch him throughout his career, it's, a, it's about player development. Taking a team that was here and raising them up. You you go back to this time a year ago. Go back to the end of February 2022. Would you have wagered money? I mean, would you have wagered legitimate money? I'm not taking like making a quarter wager or a dollar. I mean, would you have wagered your paycheck? At the end of February of last year, would you have wagered that that Oklahoma would be in the in the College World Series? I don't think I would, but yet there they were. And not only did they make an appearance, they, they did really good. Texas A&M went down. Notre Dame went down. Now, they ended up getting caught by Ole Miss, but the point is this. Skip Johnson develops players. I don't believe, like I said at the, at the onset of this conversation, I don't believe, I really don't believe any of these coaches are on the hot seat right now. 
But if I had to rank them, if I had to rank them in, in, in the status of job security, I think Brent Venables is, is the most secure guy on this campus that is a coach right now. Brent Venables is here to prepare this team to play in the SEC, and they get to do that after this coming season. That's going to be what defines. Year one in the SEC will be what defines Brent Venables and his standing uh, within the athletic department. So, I mean, obviously you got to produce results in, in 2023, in year two. You, you got to get better than six and seven. You got to do way better than three and six in Big 12 play. And maybe I'm just the eternal optimist. I think they will. That said, I, I if they, if you go six and seven again in 2023, Brent Venables will be here in 2024. That's going to be this. That's going to be the telltale sign of the Brent Venables project. Skip Johnson is is in the season after making it to the College World Series. He's pretty secure. He's pretty safe. You don't fire a guy after when after going to the College World Series. You just don't. So I don't think I don't think there's pressure on Skip Johnson, and I think again you're going to see this baseball team improve. A lot of a lot of young parts, a lot of new parts, a lot of moving parts, and this just trying to figure it out. Now there is like there's legitimate reason to be pessimistic about baseball right now because you've lost the California Baptist, you've lost the Abilene Christian, and Big Twelve play is going to be way 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 higher than that in level of competition. But still, we saw this team struggle at the onset last year, make it to the College World Series. I think I, I think Skip Johnson's number two in terms of job security. And that leaves us under, under Porter Mosier. He will be, and unless he takes another job, okay? So we got to throw that caveat out there. Unless he takes another job, Porter Mosier will be your coach at the University of Oklahoma 2023-2024 basketball season. But it will be a pivotal season for him. Right now, this moment, his primary responsibility is not just finishing out the season. Now, you, you're, you're sitting one game below 500. You have the opportunity. You have the opportunity to get above 500. When you look at the final two games and then what you can do in the, in the, in the conference tournament. But he's got to get guys to stay around. L- losing Elijah Harkless and losing Mo Gibson were those were crucial losses, in my opinion, to this program. Well, man, how, how do you know that Porter Mosier didn't encourage them to leave? I don't know that he did or didn't do that. But what I do know is their absence has been felt. So now you're talking to Otega Owe. You're talking to Joe Badmissile. You're talking to these young guys and you're saying, look, guys, I need you here. I need you. I'm building around you. Uh, Milo Suzanne. These are all young guys that they are a core that he can build around going into next year. You can't get destroyed. You can't get decimated again after year two by the transfer portal. If that happens, I, I think that's when the pressure begins to mount on Porter Mosier. I, I think year three is a, is a key year for him. I really do. I think it's a vital year for him. But again, I don't think he's in any trouble right now. I don't, As I've said repeatedly through here, I don't think any of them are coaching for their job right now in 2023. My question is, how would you rank them? 
My question is, do you agree with that? You can hit me up and let me know at Sports Heartland on Twitter. All right, we got your part coming up, true or false. All right, here we go. It's your time to shine where you get to participate in the podcast with your true or false statements. I got five coming in. I've been holding on to one. All right, I've been holding on to one because I my schedule has not allowed me to record um, the way that I really wanted to in the month of February. Uh, but one came in. Uh, from KC, came in on email. By the way, you can participate in multiple ways, all right? You can drop a comment, heartland-sports.com on our podcast page. Uh, we'll try to get to that. You can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland, or you can email heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. Um, and we want to... We want to try to include as many as we can. Uh, hopefully when things kind of calm down travel-wise, schedule-wise for me, I can get to more of these, but I'm having a lot of fun with them, and I'm just super apologetic to the ones that I'm not able to get to. Some of them expire. Some of them we can hold over for other episodes, um, but um, this is one from KC. basically says this, uh, having OU having been saddled with staying in the Big 12 until 2025 would have been bad for the football team. Because they would have been playing in a mediocre league. All right, so Casey, I want to. I saved this because number one, um, in in terms of relevance, it hasn't expired yet. We all know 2024, OU's jumping to the SEC. But had they stayed until the 2025 season, would that have been a bad thing for Oklahoma? And my answer to this is no. I, I think this is false. And and I appreciate I, I so appreciate the the comment and I appreciate the participation, but I just I can't get involved with this line of thinking. I can't I can't do it Be, because you look at the Big Twelve Conference and and the the understanding what we think what we think is well this is a a bad conference outside of Oklahoma and sometimes Texas and the the level of football is mediocre and it hurts Oklahoma. And that, that has never been true. It's been a talking point for years, but it's never been true. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, what do those guys all have in common? Well, they were all Oklahoma quarterbacks. They're all in the NFL, but they all played in the college football playoff for the University of Oklahoma. You go back to the days of the BCS, and, and you got Josh Heupel, you got Sam Bradford, you got Jason White. All these guys playing in the championship game. The Big 12 has never, never hindered Oklahoma from competing for a national championship. It never has. And the idea that it will, or at some point it could, it's just, it's a talking point. We can be excited about Oklahoma moving to the SEC, and we can say truthfully that the level of competition will increase and the path becomes more difficult to a championship. All that can be true, and at the same time, the Big 12 being a solid conference can be true as well. I mean, look, look at TCU for crying out loud. This would, If there was a year, if there were a year where the Big 12 would hurt a team from not making it to the college football playoff, it would have been 2022, right? Because Oklahoma, they were bad. Texas, they were bad. Oklahoma State, they were bad. It was a down conference, yet TCU makes the college football playoff with one loss. They lost the conference championship game. They made it into the, 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 the college football playoff. They made it there having not won the conference championship. 
So if TCU can do that on a down year, having not won the conference championship, there's no way you'll ever convince me that Oklahoma playing in the 2023 and 2024, even if they played in 2025, there's no way you'll convince me that it would have hurt them being in the Big 12. And I look, I, I, I here, here's another probably unpopular opinion. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm excited about the SEC. I'm excited about that challenge. I'm excited about seeing those teams come to Norman on the few occasions when I'm in Oklahoma. But I think the SC, the, the Big 12 in 2023, I think it's going to be fun. I'm excited about Cincinnati. I'm excited about uh, Central Florida. I, I, I'm excited about Houston. I'm excited about BYU. I don't think the Big 12 took a step backwards by adding these four teams. I think if Oklahoma and Texas were to stay and these four teams come in, which they are, that's what we get in 2023, this becomes a stronger conference than it was in 2022. Now, it does take a step down when Oklahoma and Texas leave. But again, that's because Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. It's not because the Big 12, you know, wasn't there. The point I'm making is this, KC. By the way, it thinks again. But the point I'm making is Oklahoma has prevented Oklahoma from making it to the national championship game or the college football playoff way more frequently than the Big 12 ever kept Oklahoma from qualifying. So we talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. But the reality is that was never true. That was never a a valid truth. It was just a talking point. That's all it was. Okay, so let's move on. Brady says this, true or false, Oklahoma's best shot at the postseason for basketball is the CBI. All right, if you don't know what the CBI is, that's the College Basketball Invitational Tournament. There's like four postseason tournaments now. Of course, you got the big one. You got the NCAA tournament. Then you got the NIT. And then you got the CBI. And there's actually one below the CBI, and I can't even think of the name of it. And Brady, I, I... Man, I'm, I'm going to go false at this point. Now, if Oklahoma loses like the next two games that close out the season and then they get bounced in game one of the Big 12 basketball tournament, then I'm going to say you were spot on. But at this point, I, I think I think you're looking at NIT. I think as long as you're at one game below 500, at 500 or above 500, you're probably looking at the NIT. And here's why. It, it, it's It's going to be about name recognition, number one. And then it's going to be about who they beat. Now, we talked earlier in this podcast that Oklahoma's last three wins have been against ranked teams. They stunned. They shocked the number two team in the country in Norman. So I, I think right now they're probably destined to the NIT. I really do. Now, the NCAA tournament, it's not off the table. It's very, 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 very hard to reach. You remember Thanksgiving? Like, I don't know how it was for you. When I was a kid, you had the big Thanksgiving table. You go to grandma's house. Aunts and uncles are there. You know, your mom and dad's there. Your siblings are there. And like, you got to ask someone, can you pass me like the mashed potatoes? And they're so far down at the other end of the table, they can't even hear you. So you got to like kind of yell to get their attention. And then they got to pass the mashed potatoes. That's how far away the NCAA tournament is for Oklahoma basketball. The only way, the only hope they have is to, in my opinion, the only hope they have is to win the Big 12 tournament. And I don't know that I don't I don't know that uh, that I would hold my breath on that happening. But I do think I do think right now 
have 14 and 15. I think NIT is the most likely destination. And then the CBI. Uh, it'll be one of those two. Uh, but Brady, I think right now probably NIT has a little bit more um, – a little bit more um, weight, I guess I should say. All right, so this comes from Alexis. Uh, Kenzie Hansen was the missing link for Oklahoma when they lost last weekend at Baylor. Um, Alexis, I'm going to agree with you because of what we saw Kenzie Hansen do at the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic. Had Kenzie Hansen not gone in there and bombed you know, two home runs against UCLA on Sunday, I probably would disagree. But seeing what she did, I have to jump in there and, and say, yeah. Because this team, we, we talked about how the the potence of the lineup that this softball team has. And I mean, we'll just, we'll scream it until we're blue in the face. But through four, 14 games, Jocelyn Erickson has five home runs. Alyssa Brito has three home runs. Tiara Jennings, three home runs. Haley Lee, two. Nugent has two. Jada Coleman, two. Grace Green, Riley Boone have one. Kenzie Hansen, this is her first opportunity to play. She's played five games for OU. And she hasn't started in all five of them, but she's played in five games. She's got two home runs. So, yeah, uh, Alexis, I, I do think that she has been huge, a huge addition to this lineup. And our, our man, our, our buddy Chris Plank, he he is high on Kenzie Hansen. And as much that he picked her a few weeks ago uh, as the one player from this, oh, this talented stack Oklahoma roster, he picked her as being the collegiate player of the year. Not just for the team, but I mean, talking talk, talk about nationally. So, Alexis, congratulations. You're the first one I agree with of our, of our three that we've read so far. Um, but, uh, yeah, Kenzie Hansen, absolutely the missing link. Do, do they lose to Baylor with Kenzie Hansen in the lineup? I can't say that they do or they don't because, really, uh, that, I think that was on the, – the lineup struggled, yes. But Jordy Ball giving up that home run was, was a backbreaker as well. Um, so I'm sticking with it, and I'm going to say, yeah, I agree with you. All right, so moving on, Chris says this, uh, true or false, Oklahoma is losing out on Michael Hawkins. Um, just in case, just in case you don't know who we're talking about here, a four-star quarterback for the class of 2024 out of, uh, where is it, McKinney, Texas. Um, he's sitting on 16 scholarship offers. Um, Alabama's in on him. Oklahoma's in on him. Arkansas has been on him. And it looked like it had been between Oklahoma and Arkansas. Until Kendall Bryles left Arkansas to go to TCU. Now, Arkansas's out, and it's between Oklahoma and TCU. And he was supposed to make his commitment a little bit more than a month ago, but that's right when Kendall Bryles made the move. Um, and the fact that he hasn't made a commitment kind of has people questioning, up in arms, panicking, you know, I, whatever whatever adjective that you wanna that you wanna throw in there, it's happening. Um, but it is down to TCU and Oklahoma. I, I think the one thing we can say for sure is that the relationship with Kendall Bryles was stronger than we anticipated. Kind of thought when Kendall Bryles left Arkansas, okay, this is over. He's not going to TCU. He's Oklahoma bound. I thought that, but apparently Kendall Bryles is in there a little bit deeper, a little bit stronger than we thought he was. 
I don't know that I'm ready to to just say Oklahoma's out on him because I think he's kind of like Jackson Arnold was for 2023. I, I think he becomes that cornerstone. I think he's that guy that that will will reach out and you know like like Jackson Arnold was just was relentless in recruiting Peyton Bowen. I think Michael Hawkins has that same sort of draw and it, it can bring him that type of attention. So I think he's big. I think it would be a huge get for Oklahoma. I don't. Th- I don't think I can agree with you though, Chris. Uh, that Oklahoma's definitely out on him. I just think Oklahoma's definitely delayed on him. So we'll see what happens. This is gonna. This is gonna go for a while, I think. But um, there's been no. If you look, if you follow the, the recruiting guys, there's been no crystal ball predictions. Uh, there's been no really leaning one way or the other that I can tell. But. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I I don't agree with you. I don't think Oklahoma's out on him. I don't think they're going to lose him. I think they're in a fierce they're in a fierce battle to recruit him. Okay, last but not least comes from Todd. He says this: true or false? Danny Stutzman is the anchor of Oklahoma's defense in twenty twenty three. Look, look, man, Todd. Everything everything you read and you hear says yes. Now we're going to turn the page to March here in like three two days, right? And that means spring football is around the corner. I think spring ball is going to tell us a lot about the status of Danny Stutzman. Like we're, we we know the talents there. We know the motors there. We know the abilities there. And is the progression there? Is he improving year year one to year two to year three? But when you hear like Brent Venables, I, I had to look this quote up. You you probably have heard this quote, but just in case you did, listen to what Brent Venables says. Danny was outstanding in our bowl game prep. I think it was quite obvious he's the best player in our defense. That's that's preventable say. That's not some guy for 24-7 sports. That's not heartlandsports.com. That's not the Norman transcript. That's Brent Venables commenting on Danny Stutzman saying it was quite obvious during Oklahoma's bowl game against Florida State that he was the best player in the defense. And if Brent Venables, who's a linebacker guy, if he feels that way about Stutzman, yeah, yeah, he will be the anchor of this defense. He's going to be the guy that they're going to build around. Now, it's on Danny Stutzman to live up to that hype. It's on Danny Stutzman to continue to progress and improve. But when you look at the social media stuff that the program puts out, Danny Stutzman's out there interviewing the new guys. Danny, I mean, he's becoming... The face of this program. Typically, that's a quarterback's job, right? Typically, you got Baker Mayfield. You got Jalen Hurts. You got somebody out there who is like representing this program in the public eye and and blowing up social media. For Oklahoma right now, that guy is Danny Stutzman. When's the last time you've had a defensive player really be the face of your program? You got to go back, back in time to find that guy. I mean, Roy, was Roy Williams even the face of the program? I mean, he was Superman, right, because of what happened at Texas. But that was a stacked football team that had a lot of line, a lot of NFL caliber guys on both sides of the ball, right? Was Roy Williams the face of the program, or did he become an ambassador of the program after he left and ended his NFL career? Go to Instagram, go to Twitter, go to Facebook, look up Oklahoma's official pages. A lot of Danny Stutzman there. A lot of Danny Stutzman there. Yeah, so I think expectations are high for him, and I think reasonably high. Um, I, I think he's the guy that Brent really wants to build his defense around. And 
we'll see what happens in the spring. Which reminds me, we're going to start talking about spring football. We're going to talk about things we're confident in, things we want to see happen in spring ball. That's going to be on the upcoming episodes of the Sooner Nation podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Again, we appreciate you so much. Um, if you like the podcast, give us a follow with whatever platform you're finding us on. If you don't like the podcast, hey, you know what? Thanks for trying it out. And there's some other one, great ones out there. Uh, if you want my opinion on some of them, I, I can make recommendations. Hit me up. Send me a message, a, a DM on Twitter, and I'll tell you where I think you should go if you don't like us but uh everybody have a great great week boomer sooner we'll talk to you soon.